There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today is National Superhero Day, so we're taking a deep dive into the most shocking moment of the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, the iconic Thanos snap. I spoke with directors Joe and Anthony Russo in 2018, a week after the release of Avengers Infinity War, to discuss their gutsy decision to have the villain win, and to reflect on the overall legacy of the franchise. Anthony Russo? And Joe Russo. Of course, the co-directors of Avengers Infinity War. You might have heard of it. It's not really making much money out there. I don't know. So. No, biggest opening of all time. Um, congrats on the success, guys. Um, I gotta say, man... <laughs> that you guys left us with a big cliffhanger. A lot of times these movies, um, there's sort of the safe formula, you know, it kind of wraps itself up in the end. But this one, you really left us dangling. I know it's it felt more of an intermission towards next year's, but man, was when you guys sat down here and you said, "All right, was that a conscious thing? We're gonna really shock them. We're gonna red wedding them right here and uh, <laughs> leave them uh, craving till next year." Well, I look at it. It's our job as storytellers. We look first of all, we we love what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been able to do since the very first film in Iron Man, and we've been following these stories now for ten years. And, you know, the intention with these movies was to be like a climax or a culmination of everything that's happened in the MCU up to this point. So we knew uh, a story of that scope and scale was a big swing. And Joe and I, we want to do everything we can to bring an experience to audiences that they weren't anticipating. That they, so they can go into the movie theater, be, be surprised from the very first frame of the film, and be taken on a ride that they couldn't have predicted but that is also like emotionally engaging and affecting and entertaining. Um, and so that, that was what we were looking for here. And I think the big swing that you're referring to in this movie is sort of a product of just the ambition of bringing something to audiences that uh, it feels original uh, uh, in respect to the road that these movies have traveled. Absolutely. And, and just so you guys know, this is... I'm not going to run any spoilers on air, but I, but I, you know, it's okay if we get into it now because it's just on my tape recorder, and then sure. we might run a spoiler alert online or something. Okay. But um, the snap of the finger and everyone starts fading away. I mean, even some major characters, Black Panther, Spider Man. I mean, it's it literally. I use the red wedding analogy because it really was like sort of a gut punch. Um, how are you guys planning on? Are, are, is it possible we might see some of them back? I know we have some Infinity Stones where we can alter reality and we can alter time. I know you can't confirm nor deny with that, but um. How do you plan on answering fans' uh, year-long wait on that front? Well, our, our commitment always is to telling the best story. So Avengers 4 is the reason we haven't revealed the title yet. Uh, we want people focused on this movie uh, first. Uh, obviously, the story will continue the same way that it has from Civil War into Infinity War and from Winter Soldier into Civil War. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the stakes are clearly very high with Thanos. Uh, and... Um, 
uh, you know, there, there are incredible costs associated with trying to beat him. Uh, and that, I think that's all we'll say. But we, we, we will, I will say this, that we, we have a, a, a really strong commitment to very real stakes in, the, in, the, in these movies. And because we, we believe that without stakes, you know, there, it takes away the, your level of emotional investment and engagement. And it's like, we love these characters as much as anybody, but all, all things have to come to an end. There's a, there's a cycle to everything. And these movies are, in many ways, represent the end of the sort of first cycle of Marvel's studios. And, uh, and there is a commitment to that. Is that a sneaky way of saying whoever's gone is gone? Or is there any chance that anyone could come back? Well said. Yeah, we, 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 can't, <laughs> comment, yeah, we can't comment on that. But it's, uh, you know, again, the, I, I will say this. For as surprising as this movie was, the next movie maybe even more surprising. Awesome. But first, definitely, we want people to come see this one. Um, another gut, not only just that, but I mean, well, I guess it dovetails into that, just how gutsy of a move it was to make, I mean, it's really Thanos' movie. I mean, there's so many movies that, you know, the villain is just, you know, out to destroy the world, and it's just almost a throwaway, and it's more the Avengers movie. This one, you know, from start to finish, he's the one that gets the character arc. He's the one staring off at the sunset at the end. Um, talk about sort of the decision to go in that direction and make this, I mean, it's Empire Strikes Back in a way, you know, he sort of triumphs in the end. Um, talk about how that makes him arguably the most consequential of any of the villains so far. I mean, just by purely the amount of destruction he's done. And also, we get to see him cry. I mean, he's a fully developed villain. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there were two uh, uh, reasons behind and um, Thanos occupying the POV in the film. One was that, you know, he's been um, such a teased character, uh, and the expectations were incredibly high for him as a character. So we knew we needed to give him the story real estate to flesh him out and make people uh, um, uh, um, see, you know, view him as, as, as the most intense villain that, um, that's occupied, you know, uh, storytelling time in a, in a Marvel film. Uh, the second reason... Uh, was that, you know, after 18 films, it's our job, as Anne said, to keep surprising audiences. And, you know, something that's rarely done in commercial movies. I, I don't know if I can think of another time that, any, you know, that uh, someone has put a, 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 a film in the point of view of the villain. Right. Um, and, and we felt that that would make the movie feel fresh, that the main, uh, the main story points of the movie are, are dictated by the villain, that they're his story points, and that, in essence, he is on the hero's quest in the movie. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, there, you know, I know that um, uh, people like to point out the, the cliffhanger, but, you know, there's an ending to the film. Yeah. And the ending is his ending. It's just not an ending you're used to seeing. Uh, but, uh, but he completed his mission. While, obviously, Thanos has the big character arc, on the, on the hero side, clearly not everyone can have one, <laughs> a fully one, like, like you might in another movie, like in a Wonder Woman or a Black Panther where it's a full-on origin story. Um, talk about how you go about juggling two dozen characters, and at the same time, why maybe in this case it's not super, super important to have every little character have, it'd be like a 20-hour movie. <laughs> but, um, you know, at the, how, just how at this point, we're all familiar with these characters. We've seen their character arcs, and now we want to enjoy sort of the dream matchups of Guardians and Thor and, you know, all these guys. So talk about how you tried to give a little arc, you know, Vision, Scarlet Witch, some of those people, but how at this point, it's more so the audiences already know they can cheer when they come on screen. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. It's like very rarely are you in the uh, have the opportunity as a, as a filmmaker to rely upon so much 
emotional capital that audiences have in characters that you're using in your movie. It's, it's an incredible opportunity. And yeah, we've come to know these characters over the years. We've come to love them over the years. And so yeah, we don't have to do a lot of work introducing them. We just sort of can go run right at what the adventure is. And that's why we, we tried to structure this movie because it was so dense with so many characters. You know, Joe and I uh, often refer to the film as a smash and grab and the idea that Thanos is just on a tear for the Infinity Stones. He's one step ahead of our heroes and the movie sort of moves at this kind of breathless p pace when it starts. Um, and that was our effort to sort of like, to, to sort of get a narrative started without having to do too much um, in soft introduction like you're talking about there. Um, so yeah, I think that is, that is the great upside. And look, as we began to think about the story, Joe and I, uh, story and character are like our organizing principles for everything, whether it be the film structure, the uh, scene structure, the way we lay out an action sequence, et cetera. We organize everything very, very specifically around what is the story we are telling and how are we exploring this ca a character at a particular moment or characters. Um, and that is, uh, that, that's how we sort of decided who we would give more sort of story weight to, more screen time to, more scenes to, as we move through the movie, um, there are characters like Gamora, for instance, mm -hmm. who is a daughter of Thanos, Nebula and Gamora. And that is a very interesting relationship to play with between a hero and villain. Uh, you know, when a hero and a villain have a very personal relationship on top of everything else that's going on, things become very exciting. That's one thing we loved about our first Marvel movie, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. One the fact of the best. That, oh, thank right you. here in D.C. Oh, thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> loved, yeah. loved shooting it here in D.C., setting it here. And, the, you know, the relationship between Cap and Bucky Barnes being best friends but also enemies was so complex. So we had a similar, th you know, you also see it in the relationship between Thor and Loki, mm -hmm. brothers and enemies. So, you know, the idea that, that Gamora and Thanos had an intimate relationship just but at the same time completely adversarial, that is something we wanted to run at as storytellers because it's a very rich area. You know, Tony, other characters like Tony Stark, who's been on a mission to sort of anticipate this sort of uh, existential threat that is facing humanity and him that he f knows is out there, this sort of sense of destiny that that character has had that he's been moving toward a moment uh, a figure like Thanos. That was something we wanted to run at. And we can go through, you know, the entire cast sure, sure. And, and talk to you about, like, what their specific roads were into this film. Speaking of Tony Stark, um, the whole franchise kicked off with him. Does that mean the next one might have sort of a, is he, is Tony Stark going to play a huge role? I mean, it seemed like it might be the way it kind of left off. Yeah, I mean, Star Stark is, you know, certainly yeah. central to, to the, like to the universe, yeah. you know. He's always going to yeah. play a huge role. I mean, yeah. he started the universe. He's the, um, he's the leader of the Avengers. Uh, you know, like Ant said, the existential threat, uh, uh, the, the great existential threat that haunts the Avengers, which has now manifested itself as Thanos, uh, has always been the most prevalent part of, of Tony's arc as a character. So, uh, and without question that, you know, he and Thanos had their you know, their face off, their tete a tete. And, uh, and it's clear that, you know, that this is the, this is the, what Tony has always feared. So, uh, uh, you know, he will always play a, a significant part. And another significant part, you gave us a post-credits teaser there of Captain Marvel, which we know is uh, Brie Larson, amazing, uh, from Room, Oscar, and Short Term 12. God, she's yeah. so great. Um, what, what can we expect from her in the next chapter, um, and how excited are you to work with Brie? Or, or have you already shot it? How much have you actually shot? Can't say. We, okay. Yeah, we can't say. We, we, I can say that we have shot uh, 
much of the next Avenger movie are already. We still have some left to shoot. We're working with three, though, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can't, yeah. Cannot we, confirm or deny whether yeah, no. Captain Marvel is in that movie. <laughs> Sorry, but yes. Her, her, her standalone movie is coming. If she was, was in the movie, how great of an actress is she? She well, is, we, she's we a remarkable her, actress, that's for sure. We work community, so yeah. we know her very well yeah. in the community. Uh, awesome. Just sort of in closing, big picture it for me. Um, you know, from 2008 to 2018, it's been, you guys have sort of rewritten the rules of Hollywood here. I mean, it's, it's sort of gone in more of a episodic, this, this frame. I mean, there were sequels before, obviously, but you guys really laid it out. We'll do four standalones, bring them together, more stand, you know, it, you guys really re-changed re the, you know, the game and <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Um, Talk about just, just sort of how, like, I'm a big movie history guy, movie yeah. buff. So, like, where does this, this how, do, how does this sort of 10-year period that Marvel's done fit into the overall arc um, and how much it's changed the game? Well, it's a yeah. grand experiment narrative, and, you know, we've never seen anything like this before. Uh, Two-dimensional, uh, uh, two-hour, close-ended stories had an incredible run for about 100 years, and I think audiences are, uh, are interested now in... Uh, and storytelling that takes place over over several years and several films. It's a this is an advancement in storytelling, and I think um, you know you can sit around decrying the demise of the daguerreotype, or you can look towards the future. Uh, but you know, technology has altered this generation significantly, and the way that they process and consume stories is very different than the way that we did. I mean, look at television; uh, it's the same serialized, it's the same, just it, like this. It, it is serialized because yeah. I think. People want a stronger emotional connection than what they can get in two hours. I don't think that you could have created the same emotional response uh, uh, that we've created in Infinity War were it a standalone two-hour film without 10 years of buildup, without 10 years of time investment on the part of the audience, passion investment, emotional investment. It wouldn't have happened. It's not, a, it's not a movie that can exist any other way. And that's what's so unique about Marvel, as you pointed out. That's the grand experiment. But I do think that we're going to keep moving more towards immersive storytelling. We now have the advent of AR and the advent of VR. I don't know that in 20 years you're going to look back and see the same you know, uh, uh, a format or same structure to stories of, as we saw for the last 100 years. I think it's, uh, it's at a, a turning point, and it's going to start to evolve very quickly. And I would argue that if you know, Netflix has brought us anything, it was a new form of narrative where they would drop all 10 episodes. In uh, one day, that that allows you to to watch a ten hour movie, and has a different structure and a different feeling than a two hour film, uh, and that's a new form of narrative as well. Thanks so much for joining us, and, and it, you raised such fascinating points. And it's it, it's interesting for us critics and viewers to go in there and it's are we judging these as standalones or a larger piece of the whole? And I think where we're heading is it's a larger piece of the whole. So get up there and do your homework and see them all, so you can see where it fits in. You know, so thanks guys, appreciate it. Thank you. That was a great conversation. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.